Welcome to The Encouraging Word, a podcast from Ascension Lutheran Church in Waterloo, Iowa. In our episodes, you'll find sermons, services, and in-depth Bible studies to help you grow in your faith. If you have any questions or want to connect, reach out to us at alcwloo at mchsi.com. Thank you for joining us. So people can confidently walk out of the darkness and into the light of the grace of Jesus Christ. We offer now the encouraging word from Ascension Lutheran Church in Waterloo. Each Sunday morning, we invite you to join our Ascension family for music and messages of love and truth, which are relevant to today's troubled world. It is our firm belief that the Holy Bible is the total, inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. The Bible teaches us that prayer and repentance are two of the keys of Jesus' eternal salvation. We'll begin this morning with a choir anthem.
lesson for today, the fourth Sunday in Advent, is recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning with the first verse. After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. That night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of the rulers who I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from the following flock to be a ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you whenever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Here ends the Old Testament lesson for today.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O highly favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be called, born will be called Holy the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth, sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You will hear sermons on this program based on the total unabridged Holy Scripture. Today's sermon is entitled, The House That God Built, and is presented by Pastor Matthew Finn. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. One of the most troubling words in the English language is enough. Enough. Many of us are plagued with that word, enough. Have I been good enough? Have I worked hard enough? Have I loved my family enough? And if we start applying that word, enough, to our relationship with God, things get messy. How much is enough for God? We want to be dedicated to Jesus, right? To live for Him. And yet it is easy to be swamped by everything we know we have to do. We often go through cycles, and, and tell me if this is true with you. We go through cycles of working hard and then getting tired and feeling guilty that we didn't work hard. Many Christians struggle with that kind of guilt because they know they're not doing enough for God. They could always do more. It's never enough. Especially, this gets problematic when you use that word enough to, to describe your relationship with God. 
whether or not you're good, on good terms with him based on how much you have done. These questions aren't new. The same questions, kind of, led to our story in 2 Samuel chapter 7. The story is essential in the Old Testament because it is one of the most important prophecies about the Messiah and it directly connects with our gospel reading. So, as this text from 2 Samuel 7 opens, we find David finally established as king over Israel. He hasn't had much time until now to sit back and to ponder it all, but now, and, and why not? Because he has been challenging oversized Philistines to rock-throwing contests. He's been running away from Saul. He's been hiding in caves. That's been his life. But now... His kingdom is stable. David's enemies have been defeated. And the text in verse 1 says he's taking some much-deserved rest. And so one night after dinner, David invites his pastor over for a snack. David is sitting on his back porch chatting with Nathan the prophet. And as they sip on their decaf coffees, David looks out over the city of Jerusalem. And his eyes fall on the tabernacle just outside his palace. The tabernacle. Do you remember what that is? You remember that the tabernacle was the tent, the movable tent that God told Moses to build. And in which God was said to dwell physically. The cloud came down on the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. So... David sees this, and by this point now, the tabernacle's been a, it's a couple hundred years old, and it's a bit worse for the wear. And so David gets an idea. You know, Nathan, this just doesn't seem right. Here I am living in this ridiculously nice house, and God lives over there in a dingy old tent. Can we do something about that? How do you think Nathan responded? to a private donor wanting to fund a building project. <laughs> he says, sounds great. Drop off the check and we'll start working. Then Nathan goes home. Now, pause there for a second. David's desire to build a house for God was very common in the ancient world. Yeah, for example, I'll give you one instance. King Tut. He built a temple for the Egyptian god Amun-Ra. And in exchange, Amun-Ra allegedly proclaimed that King Tut would have a kingdom that spanned the globe and would last for a thousand years. He came up just a bit short, didn't he? But did you catch the order? The order is really important. King Tut built the temple for his god. The temple made his god famous and so the God blessed the king and his kingdom. Notice, that's the order of every religion in this world. If you work hard for me, then I'll work hard for you. If you do enough, then I will bless you. If you do, then it will be done. That's works. That's the law. And that's precisely the problem we talked about in the opening, isn't it? How much is enough? How much is enough to love God? 
How much do you have to love your neighbor? How often do you have to go to church? How much money should you give? This is where people get tripped up. How much is enough? Now, going back to our text, God has other ideas. Specifically after verse 4, God, the next day, sends Nathan the prophet right back to David's house. And before King David can even sign the check to build the temple, God reminds David that he doesn't need a temple. No, God doesn't need a house because God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. He's not tied down to one place. He will not be a genie in a bottle. He is not so high and mighty that he refuses to dwell in a tent. But more importantly, God turns the whole conversation upside down. Look for a second at verses 6 and onward and ask yourself, who is the subject of the verbs? Who is the subject of the verbs? God was the one who brought Israel out of Egypt. He was the one who led them through the desert. God gave them the promised land. God reminds David that he took him from being a shepherd boy to being and made, and God made him the prince, the king of his chosen people. The Lord did that. God gave him victory over Goliath. God prevented Saul and the Philistines from getting David and prevailing against him. God had been with David every step of the way. David is not in the driver's seat, is he? God is in the driver's seat. God is the giver. David is the one who's been receiving. David serves a God who acts for him who does stuff for him, who acts on his behalf. It's not about what David did. God tells him it's about what God has been doing. But notice, at the end of our reading, in verses 11 and 16, God lifts David's eyes to a different kind of house. You will not build me a house, David. I will build you a house. Whereas it says in verse 11, Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. The house that God's building for David is not a stone house with four walls. It's a different kind of house. The Lord promises to establish a dynasty, a line of kings who will rule forever. Through David's sons, God will rule his people. Through the temple which David's son Solomon will build, God will dwell among his people. But did you catch what God says to David in verse 16? And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. And your throne shall be established, how long? Forever. Now, Solomon, David's son, is not the king God promised forever. In fact, his reign ended with great disappointment. And all of David's sons, likewise, ended with disappointment. His sons sinned so severely that the the kingdom ended up in civil war and in exile. 
So this prophecy points through Solomon to another king, great David's greater son. This is the Messiah, and the word Messiah means the promised king who would rule forever and fulfill this prophecy. Now, consider our gospel reading. Consider the gospel reading specifically in verses 26 and 27. In the sixth month, month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Did you see, do you see it? Of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel, in case there's any um, confusion as to what the interpretation is, down in verses 31 through 33 tells us, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. House, there it is again. How long? Forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You see, those promises that God made to David are fulfilled in ways that he can't even imagine, right? Think about it for a second. In the Old Testament, where did God live? The Israelites would say he lived in the tabernacle, in the temple, Solomon's temple, where he dwelt among his people. God dwelt in the Holy of Holies, which was overshadowed by a cloud. Overshadowed. We know that word. Verse 35 of our gospel reading. The Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The presence of the Holy Spirit and the overshadowing of the Most High are now on who? They're on Mary. Mary's womb is now the dwelling place for God. The new temple is in Mary's womb because God is dwelling there. God built a house, but it's not a house made out of canvas or stone. It's a house of human flesh and blood. That's the awe. That's the wonder of Christmas. God was covered in blood and amniotic fluid. God was with the beasts, nursing from the milk of an unwed teen under the cover of night. God was born of Mary. And God is Mary's son. And Mary is God's mother. She is the mother of God and brought God into the world. God nursed from Mary. Mary suckled God. Mary rocked God to sleep and prepared food for God. Why? Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God was in the womb, and God would be in a tomb. David would not build God's house. God would build his own house, and he would become the house that he promised to build. In Jesus, God is the fulfillment of his own promises to David. Now, 
Let's move into application. Because Jesus is truly God and truly man, he is the perfect king for you. God has become the heir to David's throne. You see, our righteousness is never enough. So the Messiah needed to be God so that his righteousness would be enough. And the point is that Jesus Christ is good enough. Only Jesus Christ did enough for God. And that means that he also needed to be a man so that he could supply the sacrifice that you owe. Jesus' blood and Jesus' blood alone is enough to pay for your sins. So Jesus Christ, your king, is the only mediator between God and man because he is the God-man, true God and true man. He is the only way for you to come to God. So, stop worrying about whether you're good enough. Stop worrying about whether or not you've worked hard enough. That's not the point. Your relationship with God is not built on anything you've done. It's built upon what God has done, what Jesus Christ has done. Christianity is not about you living a good life and earning brownie points with God. It's about God becoming a man and Jesus living the perfect life and giving you the perfect record that he earned as a gift. He lived the life you were supposed to live and then he died your death in your place. His life is yours and it is yours in holy baptism. In holy baptism, that is where the Holy Spirit came upon you and the power of the Most High overshadowed you. And while you don't conceive Christ, Christ does take up residence in you. He dwells in your heart through faith. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so God dwells among us. That's why we say the Lord is with you. God built a house for David. He built a house of flesh and blood in Mary's womb. He built a home in you by faith. That's the house that God built because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Merry Christmas. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We are happy you have chosen to worship with the Ascension family on this Sunday morning. It is our prayer that the Holy Spirit will empower our services on this station to be a source of inspiration and encouragement each week. Ascension Lutheran at the corner of Green Hill Road and Maynard Avenue in Waterloo is a growing Bible-believing and caring Lutheran congregation, a member of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Our Sunday worship schedule includes a traditional Lutheran service at 8.30 and a contemporary service at 11 o'clock. Sunday School for All Ages is at 9.45. A video of our services are available on our website, ascensionwaterloo.com. That is A-S-C-E-N-S-I-O-N-W-A-T-E-R-L-O-O.com.